Welcome to God's Playbook with your host, Father Rico Passero. Let's play ball. Hi, friends. Welcome back to God's Playbook. Today we conclude the second part of the passage in chapter 9 entitled The Man Born Blind. Yesterday we focused on the action of Jesus' healing. Today is about the interrogation as a result of the healing that Jesus did. So we start in chapter 9, verse 18. We hear in the scriptures, Now the Jews did not believe that the man had been blind and gained his sight until they summoned the parents of the one who had gained his sight. They asked him, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah, they would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he is of age, question him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, if he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. So they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They ridiculed him and said, You are that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. The man answered and said to them, This is what is so amazing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, You were born totally in sin, and you are trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see might see, and those who do see might become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not also blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you are saying we see, so your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. 
Friends, we see here in the second half of the passage the interrogation that follows the healing. Again, based on yesterday's podcast, you heard me say that they were scandalized because Jesus did these acts on the Sabbath day. Plus, the very act itself is a threat to the leadership of the temple. Jesus clearly has more power than they have, and so he becomes a threat by his actions, by his signs, which are filled in the Gospel of John. So notice how the passage begins with speaking with the parents. You have to remember, friends, like we talked about yesterday, the idea of generational sin. So the Jewish leaders already know that the parents are on the fringe. There's this perception by all of them that they are great sinners. That's why their son is being punished with no sight, because God would be upset with their sin, which we know is not true, but this is what they believed at the time. So with the parents already on the fringe of being kicked out of the temple and the synagogue area, which is the very core of the community, at first glance, it might appear to us like, how could they not protect their son? Why do they seem so disinterested? And the reality is, while you and I might be scandalized by this, they're thinking of their own preservation within the community. So they're giving into the peer pressures of pretending and acting as opposed to just loving their son and being grateful for the great healing that Jesus had brought to him. So number one, the parents are trying to do damage control. Ask him yourself. You know, they're passing the buck. How many times are we asked to stand up for something, but we might be caught up in worrying about what, Others might say, or if we're truly honest, what are the consequences that could come to us? And so it's important, friends, that we actually realize that standing up for truth is of the utmost importance. Once they interrogate the man who was once blind again, you see that there's kind of this back and forth. You see that the man is no longer shy and basically threatens the leadership to say, well, you are his disciple. And so when they are on the defensive, calling themselves disciples of Moses, you can see that the man is so fed up with their questions because they actually obviously don't care about him at all. They just have this venom against Jesus. And so to this man, he's probably thinking, why would I help you, number one? You obviously don't care about me. You've treated me and my family with ridicule since I've been born. So why am I going to do anything to help you? It can be very easy for us to see that this back and forth is a result of them grasping at straws to try to convince the crowd and the authorities that Jesus is this terrible person when in fact he's the exact opposite. Notice that they connect everything to Moses and their faithfulness to the law of Moses. This comes up throughout the scriptures. This is to suggest that they are living as faithful Jews and the man who was formerly blind, his parents, and so many others are the ones that are not holy, the ones that are not living according to the law of Moses. By throwing the man who was once blind out of the community, 
it suggests the fact that they are done with him and that when they don't like the answer they're getting, they just try to dispose of him like he's a piece of garbage. Once again, it is Jesus who seeks him out now a second time to deal with his new need. And then he asks that beautiful question about faith. By asking him the question, it suggests that Jesus wishes that this man is to become his disciple as well. Ultimately, it's up to the man himself to come to that conclusion in regards to enhancing his own faith. And yet, for Jesus, he cares about his soul. It's again, not about his human eyes, although by giving him back his human eyes, he is able to be once again instituted into the community. But then you see that Jesus goes on to talk about this notion of seeing in a different way, to see how God sees and how important that is for us to identify. The passage ends with the Pharisees suggesting that Jesus is calling them blind. You know, when you're guilty of something, you're really on the defensive. You really have your back up. And oftentimes you might even have the phrase diarrhea of the mouth and saying too much. Well, here they've definitely put their own foot in their mouth too by suggesting that Jesus was suggesting that they're blind, which of course they indeed are. But they're not going to acknowledge that they're blind because then they are suggesting that they are wrong and they're not in any capacity going to be doing that. Jesus is trying to help them and us to realize our own blindness. The sense of awareness of where we stand before God is something that every person should take seriously. Every person should strive for. Even in my own life, I know I need to become more aware of the actions that I have that can have a positive effect on the people around me and just as equally have a negative effect of the people around me. So in this interrogation, in the second half of this passage in chapter 9, we see that Jesus, rather than being thanked, is being questioned. His integrity is being questioned. And the integrity of the man and his family is also under scrutiny. What does this mean for us? Have you ever done a good act for someone else and instead of just thanking you, they start to think that you might have had a hidden agenda? Perhaps after doing a good act for someone, rather than thanking you, they actually get angry at you. And you might ask yourself the question, I went out on my way to help this person and this is the thanks I get. Have we ever been the person who, instead of being grateful for the help, has ridiculed as a result? I know in my own life, sadly, I can identify with both aspects of this passage. And yet, Jesus continues to show us how we are to respond, regardless of whether we're being accused or doing the accusing. 
we are called to be different. And so Jesus is compassionate, and so are we to be compassionate too. Jesus doesn't give up on the situation, and neither should we. That in the face of adversity, we continue to do what is right, we continue to be compassionate, we continue to do the right thing. Can we get discouraged by the lack of gratitude by others? Absolutely. Can sometimes a good deed come back to haunt us? Perhaps. And yet, should it stop us from doing that good deed? Never. Friends, let's dig deep. Let's see this beautiful encounter in chapter 9 as an opportunity for each of us to look at upon our own lives, to seek out new ways in which we can do good deeds for others, recognizing their need as Jesus always does and responding accordingly. Can we also not seek ways to tear people down, but rather to build them up? And when we hear of somebody doing an act of kindness, can we do our part too to build them up for the goodness they've done? Even if they have a hidden agenda deep down, they're looking for notoriety or they're looking for credit for what they've said or done. May it be an opportunity for us to understand that even with a hidden agenda, a good deed is just that, a good deed. And even when we do things out of duty as opposed to desire, I do this not because I really want to, I feel like I have to. Whatever the agenda is, whatever the motive is, may we ask ourselves the question, am I willing to do a good deed no matter what? Can I give praise for the good deed no matter what when it happens to me or someone I know? And then can I be inspired to want to do more, to move from duty to desire? So we live according to the teachings of Jesus and act like he would act. The story of the man born blind has so much to teach us. Let's make sure we spend some time today reflecting upon the glory of God and how he wishes to transform our hearts, sometimes one situation at a time. For God's Playbook, friends, I'm Father Rico. God loves you, and so do I. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting us using any of our affiliate links in the description below via Budsprout, Ko-Fi, or GoFundMe. Thanks, and God bless.